Welcome to another edition of Breaking Rugby. I'm your host, Chef, and with me is my lovely guest, Autumn. Autumn, say hi to the people. Hey, people. <laughs> Autumn, you play with the Frederick Women's Rugby Team, correct? Yes, sir. All right. We usually start these podcasts with the same questions, age, occupation, and how long have you been playing rugby? I am 35 years old. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still used to lying about it, I'm guessing. <laughs> Solid 32. <laughs> I'm a licensed professional counselor with the state of Maryland. Right. Um, and I have been playing rugby since spring 2012. Spring 2012. So being as you're a therapist, do you ever have to get your head checked for playing rugby? No, I don't have to get my head checked for playing rugby. <laughs> I mean, I only ask that because people have told me I need to get my head checked for playing rugby. Since you are a therapist and you play rugby, how does that mesh? Like, how does that blend? Do you see your your teammates as, like, special cases? Like, yo, they're crazy to be playing this sport. Like, you have to have some kind of bias, correct? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Actually, <laughs> joking, I... Joking. Um, I, you know, I kind of start to, to talk to you and to, to think about um, coming on your show, despite the fact that it's a little nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> it's not nerve wracking at all. Trust me. Because I am a person that actually really saw the parallels between therapy and rugby mm -hmm. um, and really recognized that it's such like a it's a cathartic thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think about kind of like my first season of playing rugby and um you know, at the end of every women's season, they kind of like do this little like circle thing where you got to talk and I'm a rookie. And so like, hey, you got to say something. And at the same time, I'd actually been going through the process of my first year of being a real therapist, of being a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and what stood out to me and what I ended up sitting in this circle of women and talking about was the idea that this was the first time as an adult that I had really been pushed to acknowledge and, and to be comfortable with being completely emotionally and physically uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? So, like, you're talking about the idea that we're all a little crazy because we do it. Mm -hmm. well, like, yeah, we are a little crazy that we're doing it. And the reason that we're crazy that we're doing it is that we're putting ourselves into a position of just being emotionally and physically vulnerable and being okay with that and working with that. Um, and being able to force ourselves to emotionally regulate or being able to force ourselves to be in the moment on the field, right? I can't think about the penalty that I just had. I can't think about what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. All I can think about right now is getting my head in the game and being here. That takes skills. That takes um, just psychological effort that I don't think a lot of people really attribute to rugby, mm -hmm. right? Like but people take it for granted? Yeah, people like, they majorly take it for granted. They have, you know, just those, um, the skill set that that really requires to be able to, to say, I'm going to, in this moment, not feel as panicked as my body wants me to feel. I'm going to, in this moment, um, not hold on to that thing that just happened that made me feel guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. But instead, right now, I'm going to actually be here because my teammate next to me needs me to stop thinking about that. And they need me to, to be here to make this tackle mm -hmm. or they need me to be here to take this pop. Mm -hmm. um, that whole concept, right, the whole concept of being able to move into a space where you are 
comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's what adulting is. And it it's really interesting to me that I like walked onto a rugby field and I was like, wait a minute, this is this is where you find this shit. You don't find it in a therapist's office, you find it on a rugby field. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I'm glad you said that. And I'm honestly glad to have a therapist finally on here because one of my first like like itches, I I would say, like when I started playing rugby, was like when I started playing, I wanted to scream this to the world of how exactly, like you said, cathartic this was. I was like, you guys have no idea why I'm playing this. I'm playing this because this is this shit just makes me feel better. And to have a therapist on here finally, finally reconfirm that, it makes me feel so much better, dog. Oh, it's like in my original blog post when I had when I was blogging, that's all I used to talk about. I was like, yo, just the feeling of doing this again. The feeling of maybe a truck like running over somebody or the feeling of getting hit and or you getting a stiff arm and flying off of somebody it's just like the idea that you gone into something and you put your all on the line or you put everything or you as a team did something together is just the best feeling in the world right it's the idea that you're like i'm going to allow myself mm-hmm. to be physically and emotionally vulnerable and i'm going to be okay with that because i feel like i've got I don't know. I mean, different people do it for different reasons, but I think, um, you know, when really I sat back and, and I looked at it and, you know, like I said, I, I started rugby at the same time as becoming a therapist. And so over, you know, the last seven years, I've developed in both, right? Mm-hmm. And um, being able to observe just this idea of um, it's not just about the aggression, right? It's mm-hmm. about the security of having the people around you. That's that's the cathartic piece. There, there's, It's about the acceptance that you experience. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, I mean, like you, the aggression obviously is like an empowering moment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of each one of these building blocks, right? Each one of these building blocks is what contributes to that eventual growth of being a person that can come onto the field for the first time come to the practice for the first time, right? I don't care who you are, you're a little nervous. Um, And develop into someone that's completely different. Mm -hmm. And and it might take a season, it might take two seasons, it might take three seasons, but I've never seen anybody in the entire time that I've I've been around rugby in general, and not just our club, but then, you know, the the larger world of rugby. Um, I've never seen anybody that has said to me, I didn't get that experience or I didn't get a part of that experience. Mm-hmm. It's always there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, that is the reason why I started this podcast. I wanted people to experience this moment with everybody. Like speaking to everybody so many times, like I'm like by the time this comes out, I may be like over 40 episodes in, but that means I was about to say at least 40 people about their experience with rugby and like every time has been unique, but also very impactful to these people. Like they're coming on to Breaking Rugby to talk about their experience with rugby. And I wanted the world, the naysayers, the people who thought I was crazy for playing rugby to hear their stories also. So it's like, yo, this was this is what I was experiencing. So take a whiff listen to them they we all shared the same experience so you got into rugby in 2012 what drew you to being a rugby player like 
as a therapist, I'm I'm pretty sure you had plenty of studying that you had to do. What made you want to bring something else on at the, at the same time? So it's interesting you asked that question because I had I'd actually just gotten out of grad school um, and I had was finishing up my internships and just started my first job at a residential treatment center for at-risk youth um, or youth that had been traumatized. Um, you can kind of think about it as kind of like the last level, right? Last level before you're in a white box. Mm-hmm. Um, kids come in and they live there and they, they've had a lot of their own diverse experiences. And I started, I actually started dating a guy um, who played rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very involved in the team. And um, he introduced me, right? He introduced me to the culture to being able to go to the games, um, being able to hang out with the people afterwards, the, the, the social piece of it. And I had never played a team sport in my life. Mm-hmm. I rode horses competitively. I swam competitively. Um, I was athletic. I was a runner. But I, just team sports weren't something that I ever really engaged in. And um, as I was, like, being immersed in this culture, right, I, you know, like, of trying to be a responsible girlfriend and being like, oh, that's his thing, and I'm going to have my thing, and, like... I don't need to be too involved in his thing. Um, but then I started to experience this moment of like, I was a rugby girlfriend. And that was really hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate to say it that way. Um, but in some ways, it like kind of, it created this sense of jealousy, mm-hmm. right? It created this sense of jealousy that like, there were these other women that you know, not just that he knew, but that where I was hanging out with all this time that were like part of this situation that as an outsider, I could never really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, you know what? It's time. Kind of cut you off real fast. So have, have you ever seen the show Sons of Anarchy? No. Oh, oh yeah. You don't watch TV <laughs> at all. So it's funny that you say that because... Being a rugby girlfriend, I would see that as being some kind of like, it's more of like a status that you shouldn't feel jealous of the girls that actually play rugby because it's like being a rugby girlfriend is like you, you're part of the culture, but you don't actually have to be part of the culture. You know what I'm saying? I'm not right. trying to no, no, if no. Anything justify it, but like. I never, I never thought that there would be some jealousy between a rugby girlfriend and people who act, and women that actually play rugby. I always thought that like they maybe would have like some, not actually looking down upon, but just they would have, they would feel like they have some status above the people who actually play rugby. But it's interesting to hear that you said you were jealous. If and anything. I don't. And it's interesting though. I think the way you're like talking about it because like there's plenty of rugby girlfriends um, that like. I love that I consider to be part of the club. I mean, it, it's by no means like that. I think for me, it was um, I, like, here's this thing that's so powerful, right? Like mm-hmm. these women are so powerful. Like they're they're doing something that I've never gotten the chance to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, like, I mean, here I am like an athlete too, right? So like it, it wasn't about, it wasn't a jealousy associated with the other women as much as it was what are they doing in there? Mm-hmm. What are what is this group that they're part of mm-hmm. that they're so connected? I mean, mm-hmm. you never like you never saw, um, and you still don't. Um, you never see like a Frederick women's rugby player um, in a bar, you know, by themselves or or without like a teammate, especially like on a Saturday night or mm-hmm. a social night. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, there's a sense of security that goes along with that, right? And there's a sense of camaraderie um, that. 
I think that's like where the jealousy was kind of coming from. Mm. This it was I was part of it, but I wasn't part of it in the way that I felt like I wanted to be more knowledgeable of. Mm. I was curious. I want to be friends too. Damn it! It was a, it was a curiosity. I think there's probably more to it. Well, the, and um, and I also get that it's not for everybody. I mean, like not everybody's going to come out to do that. But mm-hmm. um, I think for me, it was it was just this game that was. You know, it was it was very much part of like my partner's life at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly down to his soul, mm-hmm. um, and you know he really appreciated a lot of the culture associated with it. And so, it just again like really like fed that curiosity mm-hmm. um, to become part of it. So, when you actually decided to make that step, how was that like? I am um, no longer a rugby girlfriend. Now I'm going to be a rugby player. How was that? How um, I put on a pair of cleats for the first time in my entire life um, to go to my first rugby practice. And I'll tell you, that was that those were the worst shin splints that I, I don't even get shin splints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then after that, you know, it it was trying to learn something new trying to be part of something that like you're not in control mm-hmm. all right so i didn't talk about that aspect of it mm-hmm. yet my, my one question is how how did it take so long for them to recruit you because i am pretty sure Lacey was on the team by the time you were thinking about playing wasn't she she was. She was. I was surprised Lacey didn't These try like to talk Lacey, you into Leslie, it already. Lacey, Leslie, Shauna, Molly Ella, um, Lish was still there. Karen was there. The the old crew was there. Um, and you swatted I'm calling off. her Klepto. Danielle. Klepto? Um, <laughs> okay, that's a new nickname. That's a new nickname. It's not a new nickname. That's a very Well, that's a new nickname. name to me, if anything. Um, yeah, no. Um I don't. I really know that it was about recruiting as much as it was about my strong stance of what I, I again, you know, kind of thought was right. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of knowing better, right, of being in control, of being like, oh, like this is your boyfriend's thing, so you shouldn't mm-hmm. be involved in it. Um, yeah, that didn't last long. Didn't last. It didn't long. last long. <laughs> and then you started playing. So when you started playing, what was like? You said you had the acceptance at practice, but like, what was like physically going to that first practice like? Did that beat you up? No, actually, um, I couldn't, and still to this day, cannot catch a ball. <laughs> um. I'm sorry, I laughed. I'm sorry, I laughed. I didn't mean to laugh that hard. <laughs> um, physically, I don't. I mean, like, I'm pretty big in stature, so I don't. I don't know that physically it was other than my shin splints, you know, that difficult. Um, it was more a pride thing, if I'm really being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, here, all of a sudden, I'm doing things I've never done before, and I'm not very good at them. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that wasn't something that I was necessarily comfortable with at that point. Um, I mean, I was in my late 20s, right? How often do people come in and start something new that they've never been a part of before, right? You're raising your hand. I know there's plenty of women that like come to the team. There's plenty of men that come to the team. Um, but it was just, it was so new and it was so different. And all of a sudden I'm not good and I can't catch a ball and I can't throw a ball. And like my boyfriend's like superstar, been here for a minute and Mm. I nothing. (laughs) 
But it's good that you stuck with it and you figured it out, right? So now oh. you understand the game, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and incredibly rewarding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the reason that that was allowed to happen and you know, you go back to this, like eventually over time becoming comfortable with things that are uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the beginning of it, right? So you come in and, and um, for me, the first step of, of starting to become comfortable like in a counseling relationship, and I, I talk about this, like the, the parallel that I found there, um, is for somebody to be able to accept you for exactly who you are, um, exactly where you are in that space and time, and to not expect anything else, right, other than the person that you are when you walk on that field. Um, and that's what I got, right? Mm-hmm. So by creating that space, by creating that acceptance, um, I was able to experience my feelings, right? I was able to experience that, like, I don't know, I'm going to call it shame, mm-hmm. um, the embarrassment, right, of not of not being able to be what I wanted to be, right? Like, as I wanted to be good, mm-hmm. um, miraculously, without ever doing it before. Um, but that wasn't where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I was met with these individuals that not only were okay with that, but that also wanted to teach me. And they, mm-hmm. they wanted to make me better. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't even about this this trial that like I had to go through personally. It was about this larger concept of people looking at you and saying, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't really care what size shape you are. We don't really care your skill level. We don't really even care if you're athletic. We just really thank you for actually showing up here. And we would like you to make, like we would like to make you part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, that acceptance, like that's, you know, we talk about the catharsis, that's like step one. And I think that's the first thing that, that Frederick uh, Rugby or rugby in general really offers people is just this ability to walk onto a field and for people to look at you and say, hey, thank you for being here. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like I went out to a couple of tournaments out in Saranac. I went out to one, I went out to Saranac one time. It's my right? favorite place. It was dope, but it was like, Going out there, I was so nervous. Like it was a it was a Saturday, so Saturdays when the clubs play. Like the Friday prior to that, no, no Sunday. I'm mixing it all up. But anyway, the day I went to go play was when the clubs were playing. So that's when you're allowed to play. It's not judged by age. So I went out there, and I was so nervous walking out there. I'm like, I'm feeling like these guys are gonna look at me and say no. You're not playing with us. No. Some of these some of them squads, they were stacked like cock diesel, like bodybuilders type. But the two teams that actually let me play with them, it's just like they said, You wanna play? Fine. Just join on them. Right. They just some guys even they took their sweaty ass jersey <laughs> and let me wear their sweaty ass jersey to play this game. I mean so happy it was they disgusting. Let you. But they let me play just on the fact of like, yo, you play rugby, you're with us. Right, right. I mean, the whole idea of whoring. Like, what is that? Yeah. I don't even care where you're from or if you can play. But if you'd like to play right now, I'd like you to come. And it's like, it, it wasn't come. even like they 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 had to like begrudgingly force me into the game. It was like, chef, you up next. You're like, you know, like 15 minutes. They were just like open, welcoming, letting me ready to play for like they just wanted me to hey you're you're part of this schedule now even though you're not part of it so when you first started on what were some of the positions that you played were you always a forward or 
Were you a back at any point? Because I can see them playing you at both positions. No, um, I was I was a forward from day one. Um, I couldn't catch a ball, Chef. We already covered that. <laughs> so that makes you a forward? I, mean, I take that highly offensive that you think forwards can't catch balls. Because I got hands. Don't mind the pass I dropped. I don't think that they can't. I'm just saying there is one prerequisite for being in the back line. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, no, so actually, I started off um, like every rugby player at flanker. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off at prop, so not every rugby player. A lot of rugby players. <laughs> um, rugby players that you're questioning, front, like forward or back, right? Um, yeah, the, the skinny ones, the in betweens. <laughs> in betweens. Um, and actually, I'll tell you, and I say this to people all the time um, weak side flanker is. I say weak side intentionally. It's like number six. That's still one of my favorite positions on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a, like, I don't know. It's like a sneaky little fantastic place to be. I figured you like the sneaky yeah, part of it. Yeah, <laughs> damn, it's so sneaky. Or it could be so sneaky, right? If you've got mm-hmm. like an eight man that's, and I happen to have one. Um, Lish was just such a fan- fantastic eight man um, when I played with her and was kind of developing. Um, and... It was, it was just such a great position. Um, then they moved me in inside, um, and I started to lock. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I found my home, which I'm a Virgo. I'm number four. My birthday's number four. And so it just kind of felt September right. September 4th. Absolutely, sir. Um, yeah, I'm like real Virgo. Um, but no, really, no, I'm really, I'm a real Virgo, but we're not going to argue this point. This is a rugby talk. <laughs> real, really, really ended up kind of embracing that position, and I'll tell you, um, kind of on the same vein of like this journey that I've been on through rugby, like being part of the pack um, has got its own cathartic component and being in front row. I'm sure you you've experienced that. Um, I, I agree, yo. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, let me show you this real quick. I feel like when me, Tony, and Snowball started at front row, that was like probably in this past fall season, it was like any chance that we were together, we needed to take a front row pick. We needed to be in our positions and take that picture. I think we all three won mugs at the um at the banquet. We took pictures with our mugs right in front of us. In our in our positions, this is yeah. It like becomes part of you. It, it yeah. like there's there's certain things about it that you just can't like other people can't relate to. You know, I was like saying to somebody the other day, um, like my job is literally to take my head and to squeeze it through two other like women's asses, and one mm-hmm. of them for a very long period of time would announce she wasn't washing her shorts, and that like I couldn't do anything again. Like you can't do anything about that. You just stick your head in. <laughs> that's why you scrum cap it up so you're not physically rubbing your cheeks against those dirty I can't shorts wear, I can't wear a scrum cap I hate it so much I feel like it uh, it, obstru- it obstructs my thinking so, <laughs> obstructs your thinking it was, so what is this like the anti thinking cap or something I, it makes me hot there's like shit all over my face can't deal with it no, not at all. I love not my scrum cap because the one thing I heard going into rugby is people get their ears ripped off. Last thing I wanted to do was lose an ear. I'm no Picasso over here, all right? I got a million-dollar smile, 
but I can't lose an ear. The I no- need some balance. The <laughs> number of times that I've gotten into, like, in practice, that I've, like, <laughs> gotten to the pack with the earrings on, and then, like, it only takes one time, and you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> oh, with earrings on? So you're a diva, apparently, huh? You take Fawn's nickname away from her. No, God, no. God, no. She's the queen diva. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Middle name, not nickname. That's her official nickname. Middle name, sorry. Little little pearls are important to everybody. Little pearls? You got to keep them around. Well, so was this going to turn to an episode of uh, Sex in the City or something like that? You're going to be... <laughs> Oh, I forget her name, but all about fashion blogging and all that. You really need to have pearls as a lock. Well, Carrie, no. Um. <laughs> yes, Carrie. Carrie Underwood. <laughs> Not Carrie Underwood. <laughs> well, oh, that's a that's a country singer. Oh yeah. my gosh, these guys are getting too much, too much right now. So as you were. <laughs> so we were talking about the idea of just kind of this. Um, you know, like this acceptance that you feel, right? And like mm. them being part of the pack and, and kind of its own level of acceptance and in, in kind of understanding that and understand the dynamics that go on there. Um, and not just like with you. I mean, I think that there's there's like a level of acceptance that happens with the other team, like when you pack down, right? I mean, like the conversations that, that happen yeah. all of a sudden that like spontaneously exist. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. I've, there's shit that I've heard that I never thought that I would hear coming out of a woman's mouth. Um, and I mean, I have a lot of sisters, so like that was impressive. (laughs) Well, you can't just leave the audience in wonderance of what this was. What's something you, what are some things you heard on the field that you were like, damn. I think, um, Frederick, Frederick rugby's classic was you can do anything for a minute. And then Molly Yella would scream even anal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like it was loud, like it wasn't even soft. <laughs> Leave it anal. Whoa! And it um. would just it would just go, but it was great, you know. Like mm. it wasn't there wasn't anything ugly about it. It was just fun. <laughs> it's like it's. I feel like women have better jokes than some men because I remember no, not even just jokes, plays. I think I went to a sevens match. And I think there was a play called Tampon. And I was like... There was a, an insert, yeah. An insert. <laughs> See, w- when when I think Tampon, I'm thinking of a pull-out situation. I'm never it thinking of an insert. insert. <laughs> <laughs> See, those shit's hilarious that women could come up with, man. So, you're playing rugby. Find your position. What's it like actually starting to play a team sport? Like you always were an independent play, independent athlete, and you always did your own thing. What's it like having to depend on somebody else to be there in your in whatever you're doing? That's kind of a loaded question. Um, I don't know if I do it right. I don't know if I do it right yet. Think of a right? Shotgun. Um, been <laughs> doing it for a minute. Here. Don't know if I do it right yet. Um, I I think more than anything else, I think it you know it kind of brings me to that like second point of like the. You know, that comparison, that parallel process that I keep coming back to of of therapy and, and why rugby is so cathartic. Just the community, right? The sense of security. Um, and, you I mean, you're talking about on the field. It's obviously, you know, we just touched on the idea that it kind of starts to exist off the field. But then on the field itself, 
Um, I mean, that's what rugby is about, right? Like it's, it's about not running across back and forth and tiring yourself out. It's about, um, being able to rely on your teammate. It's about, um, really embracing the idea as of 15 as one, right. Mm -hmm. And, and knowing that no matter what happens, like there's somebody that's going to be there for you, or there's somebody that's like a little bit further behind than they would like to be like trying to catch up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. We all have, um, little shout out to KY. She's our (laughs) KY. She'll be on the podcast soon. That bitch. (laughs) I'm real deep. (laughs) Oh man. You said KY real deep, man. This is like an episode of Office right now. <laughs> Michael Scott in the building. <laughs> Michelle Scott over here. <laughs> this is literally the conversation that happened at the brewery this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that just that idea is like 15 is one, right? And going back to Frederick Women's Rugby and what it stands for and that, that giant sense of security, not just, you know, like off the field, on the field, obviously. Um and something that happened in, in, I'd say, like the last, what, year or two um, that really struck me as being so significant to this sense of community um, was the the new Frederick tattoo that um, a lot of the women's players have gotten and a lot of the new players have kind of, you know, said, hey, I'm going to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tattoo is with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of women's rugby players, 15 as one, that's a pretty typical tattoo. Um, I, I think that they're there's so much meaning behind the idea that Frederick women chose the phrase with you. Um, I, I really feel like that's just who they are. Right. I mean, like if you're, if you're part of that, then we're with you. It doesn't Mm. really matter what you're doing. It doesn't really matter. Like if we like you in that moment, like at the end of the day, if you're in pain, you know, related to sports or not related to sports, emotionally, physically, we're with you, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna be behind you on the field, telling you when it's safe to go down. We're gonna be um, behind you in life, and all you gotta do is pick up the phone, and we're gonna tell you it's safe to go down, and we're gonna be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that sense of community that doesn't exist everywhere. Um, you know, I can't I can't speak to other sports. Um, specifically but i do know as a therapist and just being somebody that's around other people so much and and listening to um, their life stories and where they find their support systems that things like that are so unique and the idea that we have this club like a women's club especially that's able to kind of emulate that idea that i'm with you um and i feel that so strongly that i'm gonna get it tattooed on my body Mm -hmm. um that's that's a sense of community that it almost goes beyond um, the typical sense of community that you see within just rugby in general, even internationally, right? Um, but if you do want to speak to that, I mean, like, how many times have you been in a bar? Or, I mean, like, I personally go overseas, um, and you wear a jersey, or, you know, you wear some kind of rugby something, and another player will come up to you and just start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And you just fall in, right? Like, mm-hmm. name, position. And, and there it is. There, There's our camaraderie. There's our community. Um that's a sense of security that you know that makes people emotionally well that makes people um kind of have a sense of of being human that um you know a sense of the, of belonging that people need we're pack animals yeah. um so it kind of provides it to you in a different way that a lot of people think about it right mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely like I, it's like when you say pack animals, it's like it's a, it's a culture. 
It's a thing that you can go anywhere. If you announce that you're a rugger, a rugby player will say, hey, you're drinking with us. Hey, let me get you your first beer. Hey, what team do you play for? What club? Like, it's, it's this automatic pass into, like, these country clubs have, like, strict um, strict memberships and all that. Rugby is, like, the most open membership, but once you are part of it, you're part of it. Rugby, like, one of my favorite things I like to say is rugby weeds out the people who don't belong in rugby. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I would completely agree with that. I mean, like, there is... um. And there's room for a lot of different personalities mm-hmm. and there's a lot of tolerance, mm-hmm. right? So it kind of goes back to that accepting who you are, like when you walk onto the field, like um, certainly experience rugby as a place where, you know, like we're going to accept you. And then at some point we are going to say, if you want to be part of this community, if you want to stay part of this community, if you want to stay part of this culture, like we're also going to have some expectations of you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, they're not high. <laughs> <laughs> Just show up to the social. Let's make not sure get you crazy. Drink your beer, <laughs> and be, and that's it. Right, right. Don't steal ship. Don't rape people. That's pretty much what we're asking for. <laughs> don't steal ship. Don't rape people. I've never heard that, but I'm th- I'm thankful for hearing that now. That's interesting. Definitely interesting. I mean, I play for the women's team. Don't steal ship. Don't rape people. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, all right. I'm not going to get in there. Okay. So, I know one thing with. The women's team, they definitely have, like, a family tree when it comes to rugby. There's a rugby mom. There's a rugby grandma. And even in some situations, there's a rugby father. <laughs> so, who is your rugby mom? My rugby mom is Puss. Puss is your rugby mom. My oh, rugby mom man. is Puss, um, which is actually really fantastic because if you look at my rugby tree, um, so if you think like who started Frederick Women's Rugby, Krista, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Puss was a direct descendant. So then <laughs> it kind of went down to Puss and then it went down to me. And then I've kind of got a couple of my own little, little uh, pups little running around. Pups running around. Um, but like, actually, it's really it's interesting you ask that question because that was part of that, you know, being a rugby girlfriend and being um, kind of the, the initiation when it really started, and then um, and being around kind of some of those founding fathers and and um, founding mothers, right? Yeah. Um, and actually being exposed to where Frederick Rugby came from, mm-hmm. um, and hearing the stories about the table that everybody sat around and said, "Hey, I think we should do this thing." Um, and some of the, just some of like, you know, the women's rugby, especially of like, just people, you know, Krista being like, this needs to happen. And how do Mm -hmm. we make it happen? And the men that joined and said, okay, we're going to help you make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, being part of those conversations and understanding the history that was associated with it. And then like having puss who was, you know, I mean, she's, been there forever right mm-hmm. um to be my mom and and she actually handed me this is really cool um when i like was a rookie she handed me a card with our family tree in it um and Damn. i still have this card to this day because it's not just me and her but it's like the like from krista like all of her um descendants, like little descendants they came out right and then a couple of others and it's so it was just it was it's just this i still have it because it's fantastic um 
maybe eventually it'll kind of get part of become part of like Frederick's history. We can make puss like actually we can make puss (laughs) actually make her family tree and which is there's so many players that are part of her family tree because she's just been with the club for you know so long and Mm -hmm. been such an integral part of it. So having puss as your rugby mom, who was your rugby daughter? Because that doesn't stop there, right? Um, my first rugby daughter. First, she has multiple. <laughs> um, and this is the one that I I would probably talk about. Uh, was Emily? Um, she doesn't play for us anymore. But um, again, it kind of goes back to that sense of community, right? So even though she doesn't play for Frederick Rugby anymore, I still see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do, you know, randomly talk to her. It's been a couple months. I think it was probably like near Christmas was the last time I saw her. Um, and so just. You know, it goes back to that idea of creating these relationships, right? Um, that we, you know, we kind of savor and, and hold on to. It doesn't, you don't talk to the person every day. You don't want to play rugby with them every season. Um, but from here on out, we've got a connection. Mm-hmm. So that was your first rugby daughter. No more rugby daughters? <laughs> no, I've had, I have more rugby daughters. I have a rugby daughter right now. Um, and I think it's, it's important to be it's important to be the best rugby mom you can be and um certainly a sense of frustration over the fact that I'm I played one game this season like here's my big comeback um and I've played one game and so I haven't I don't know that I've been able to be the best mom that I could be it's all right but <laughs> it's a good thing that you mentioned that this is your first rugby game in a while you took a break what was that like coming back to rugby after taking a break? How long was your break? Um, so my break, uh, my break was probably about a year, um, maybe a little over a year, year and a half. Like if you do a spring fall, um, last, so last April, my brother passed away, mm-hmm. uh, really unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm from a big family. I'm from a family of six kids. Um, and my brother had, um, some, you know, intellectual and, and, and physical disabilities that really required 24 hour care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm from my family, six kids, five girls, one boy. Um, oh, in, man. right. In some ways, like he was like in the best spot ever, right. If you're mm-hmm. ever going to have those disabilities and need 24 hour care, like five sisters, that's kind of the way to be. They all um, love you. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and it was, we're really, really close Irish, Italian, Catholic family. I mean, like, we all went to Catholic school. Like, you know, you kind of got that, that sense of that, like, larger group kind of being a whole. Um, and the experience for me was one of, um, we're not a whole anymore. Um, and all of a sudden, for the first time in my personal life, I became vulnerable, right? The idea that, um, one of the six was gone meant that we were fallible. Mm. Um, and, you know, you think like, oh, well, you played rugby. Of course you knew you were fallible. No, 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 no. That meant I was invincible because <laughs> I played rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think all of us, um, all of us five girls kind of have always had this air of um, we were invincible, right? We, we love each other. We're, we're part of a bigger thing. And, um it was a really trying time. Or it's been a really trying time over the last year for um, my entire family and, and myself included. And I quit my job um, 
I decided that that was just too stressful and that there were things associated with my job that didn't really allow me to, to be part of that family system that I really needed to be closer to um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. And I had a couple other large changes happen in my life. And when I kind of sat back and, and thought about, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, rugby was actually not the initial choice because I had stopped for reasons. Um, and then it it just kind of came to me that where else can I go to get all of the things that psychologically I really need right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I went to a therapist. I'm a therapist. I'm a, obviously an advocate for um, seeking psychological help or emotional like help or support when you need it. Um, and it was great. And it was what I needed. And then that was done. And, uh, you know, I still needed things. And what I needed was my community back. I needed to feel safe. I needed to feel secure. I needed to feel powerful. I needed mm. to feel not as vulnerable um, as kind of this this loss and these multiple losses um, made me feel over the last year. And um, I knew when I went back that that's what I was looking for. And as soon as I got back, that's what I found. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, there's there's nothing that can replace that. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's not just a, there, there's a physicality that, you know, when your body feels physically powerful, right. And you can push people around or you can make tackles or, um, you know, you can have somebody throw you up in the air. Like these are things that, um, make you feel physically powerful, but then there's the other side of it, which is, you know, somebody threw you up in the air and you're going head first into the ground. You're not worried because you know, somebody's going to catch you. Um, or, you know, that, um, you, if, you know, your, your arm's hurting you currently. Um, <laughs> somebody's going to call you, right? And they're, they're going to ask you how you are. Um, or that if you just need to forget all of it, right? If you just need to forget um, all of the adulting or the lifing that's happening, um, you Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday have the opportunity to be surrounded by other people that they might want to be forgetting what's happening with them too. Mm-hmm. And they're all in the same space and they're all in that present moment that I talked about earlier. And and they're willing to give that to you. So maybe they're, you know, maybe they were actually in a really great emotional place. Um, and and yet they're still willing to be sitting there and giving it to other people to allowing that, you know, to allow that space to happen for them. Um, yeah. So my return is my return is because I need this because, you know, the the cathartic nature of what rugby is, um, was something I stumbled across, right? Mm-hmm. It was a, a parallel process that started out with jealousy, for <laughs> being honest. Um, and then it's kind of turned into this place of, I need it. Mm-hmm. I need to have it. Um, because it it makes every part of you feel good. Mm-hmm. Physically, emotionally. Um, it just, you know, gets under your skin. This may be a little deep, but did your brother ever get a chance to see you play a game? Um, yes, he was actually um, at a Virginia Beach tournament. Mm. Um, yeah, he came to a couple of the to- of of the games that way. So it was dope that you got to share that with him, and it's kind of like you coming back to this is like you know that he'll be happy that you're playing this again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I said, you know, he had he had a lot of disabilities and um I I firmly believe that 
my brother was a person that enjoyed happiness in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that, yeah, that I came back, um, to be honest, my, if I'm really like my, my parents, they really appreciate the fact that I went back. Um, which was surprising because, you know, my, my dad is not, he really cringes at the bruises bruise <laughs> easily. Um, he's not a big fan. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he loves watching me play. He loves um, being able to kind of have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for both of them, they were people that saw me go back and said, we know why you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Got you. So with these, with this understanding acceptance of going back to rugby, they understand it there were some moments in rugby that were really impactful to you, correct? Yes. So when it comes to rugby, what are some things that you find are memorable? Like, do you have like a favorite match? Do you have a favorite try memory? Do you have a favorite tour? Are there any favorite memories that you got of rugby? Oh. It can um, be multiple. <laughs> Not limited to one. Um, My favorite, my favorite, like, just pleasurable moment was the um there was a year on the women's on the women's squad where we got actual like tour buses to Mm -hmm. go places um and we had there was one that like i mean the mad dog 2020 was all over the place and (laughs) the gummy bears and just the shit you shouldn't be drinking and we had um rufio and karen were both broken and they were our trainers for the weekend. Um, you guys might have even heard this story, right? So they, so they're on this bus and like they're just drinking and we're like teaching the rookies the songs and so the whole bus is rocking the whole way down and then we get to the game and um, Lacey ends up on the field with both of her calves cramping, <laughs> like severely cramping, and so we've got like roof and. And Karen and they're like running out on the field. Like one of them's got a beer in her hand and had to like put it down. And they come out and they grab her and like these are both like these are both like trained professionals. Like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they like pick her up on each side and like bring her over to the sidelines and just literally just drop her like on the ground. Like there wasn't even a second thought. Like just on the ground. <laughs> You're off the pitch. You're ready. <laughs> and Lacey, like, screams. <laughs> and she's like, Poor don't Lacey. touch me anymore. <laughs> Poor Lacey. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, that was it, was, it was probably one of the most memorable moments because it was, I don't even remember where we were. Um, but it was, like, you know, a couple of hours, like, like, I don't know, it, was like, it had to have been, like, three hours, like, on this tour bus um, on the way home. And we're all singing and we're all drinking and, like... Um, you know, like my my partner at the time had like, st- like given me like this goodie bag of like, hey, it's your first tour bust, and so like we had these um, little minis of Fireball. There was like twenty of them that were all passing around, oh, and so everybody damn. was like just good and sauced. Um, and then like one of the veterans ends up on the toilet seat. I'm not gonna name names, but you know who you are. Um, <laughs> On the toilet seat of a tour bus, like hugging it, like not just like in the bathroom, like porta potty of a tour bus laying on the toilet seat wow. <laughs> for a couple hours. 
but it was great it was it like to this day it was probably one of of my most memorable moments as like as far as like actual playing is concerned mm-hmm. um because it, it was you know again that sense of camaraderie that sense of like i don't know like carrie went flying through the air at one point and attached to Maliella's head and like she had a cast on her arm so she like gave somebody a black eye as she's like flying squirrel across the fucking bus oh it, my goodness <laughs> It was just fantastic. Um, like, where else do you get that, right? Where do you else do you get a group, like a group of adult women, like jumping over bus seats with casts on their arms, being like, "I'm a flying squirrel," <laughs> while like Mad Dog 2020 is being passed around, and there's like a diva asleep on a toilet seat. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Hold on, you said diva. You said there's a diva on the seat. Oh my goodness, the only diva I know. It is not that diva. It's not that diva. diva. Okay. (laughs) I was going to have so many words for her when I saw her next time. You saved her. (laughs) I did save her. What about, uh, so you are also a forward, and I know forwards aren't used to getting many tries. Have you had any tries? No, I've never scored a try. Damn. So this is, um, this is something that like weighs on me really, really heavy, actually. Um, I've been there for a lot of assists, but I've never actually like put a ball down in the try zone and there was a part of me for a long time like as I've played over the years where um I've always said to myself I can't I can't stop playing until I get a try Mm -hmm. um and I just don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) you're like contemplating like tapping yourself on the chin like maybe I might have to Like this is this is gonna be a long time. This is gonna be a long time. No, you just gotta find yourself in the right position, honestly. Right, right. Um, there are there are other like memorable moments associated with rugby that are not I mean, like everybody wants to have fun, right? And everyone wants to be funny about like the, the moments that happen. But I think if I was talking about impactual moments for me with mm. with rugby and, and kind of, you know, in some ways bringing it back to like the theme that I bring to this, um, as being a professional counselor, I'd say that the moment, uh, there's probably two moments um, in my professional life where rugby was extremely impactful. Um, and the first one was when I walked into work and I had the bruises all over my arms. And anybody that's ever played rugby knows, like, you get fingerprints, right? Or you get, like, like tracks, like, right, on your on your body in certain mm-hmm. places. And um, I had one of the, the kids that I was working with, um, one of the girls, she like came up to me and and she got really worried and she was like who be grabbing you who be grabbing you and just really the idea that somebody was placing their hands on me like really impacted her so much it really it triggered her mm-hmm. um for a lot of reasons and it occurred to me in that moment I hadn't thought about that like I hadn't thought about how you know, this would look to other people in the world, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, like my partner and I had always joked about the fact that, like, I'd walk into a store or whatever and, like, I'd have bruises all over my body or, like, I'd walk in with, like, a black eye and, well, he's standing next to me. <laughs> they think it's him. <laughs> yeah. By the way, like, things that, like, you know, if you're a women rugby player, like, you've got to think about what does your man look like standing next to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> Very. Um. But it was that moment where I got to understand it from her perspective, and then I got to have the conversation, mm-hmm. right? And I got to like explain to her these things about rugby and the fact that like these weren't these weren't bruises because somebody else put them on my body. They were bruises because like I went out and I felt strong and I was engaging with other women. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think for me, it was such a memorable moment as far as like, as far as healing really is concerned. Um, because I don't, I don't think that this particular youth had ever been exposed to the idea that a woman could be powerful in that way. Mm. Um, that, you know, like sometimes things happen, but they don't always happen for the reasons that you've been taught that they've happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and just completely, yeah. I mean, like I said, like one of the, the more memorable moments that I've had. That's amazing. So I think this is a good place to end the podcast. And I'll always end the podcast with why rugby? Well, like all of the reasons I just said. (laughs) Exactly. Why rugby? You you answered throughout the entire episode. Just give me a quick synopsis of why rugby. So why rugby? Um, It's the only place where you have to be so aggressive and yet so controlled. Um, it's the only place where you like get the opportunity to develop skills that you like that are required in everyday life that, you know, people don't really talk about, but like, here's this game where you have to do all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'd like mentioned to you at some point, just the idea of, you know, like you think about like kids playing rugby, right? Like you don't, you, you can't yell at somebody about it. There's no finger pointing. There's no blame. Um, there is do, right? Mm-hmm. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And if you didn't do it, that's fine, but you should do it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no going back. There's no too far in the, fo- in the forward. Um, rugby is, it's compassionate and it's real and it is um, everything that life is. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, guys, I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of Breaking Rugby. You can check me out on all my social media at Breaking Rugby. You can send me an email at breakingrugby at gmail.com. And also check the website out at breakingrugby.com. Got any plugs, man? Autumn? Stan, what the? F- what? what? <laughs> Sorry, Autumn. You got any more plugs? No more plugs are good. No more plugs. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys. And we'll catch y'all later. Peace.